Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Here's what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians. This was his second letter that he had written to them. He writes this, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. How many of you have uh, watched the movie Forrest Gump? Seen the, seen the movie? We were showing the clip before church and... Katie, our children's minister, walked in and said, I was just watching that last night. It is a great movie. Toward the end of the movie, Forrest Gump, there's a scene in which uh, Forrest, <clears throat> pardon me, who's just been enabled to marry Jenny, the love of his life, is, is sitting beside her bed. He's brought her a meal because she's suddenly fallen ill. And it's not long after their wedding day that this happens. And he's going through different scenes in his life. And Jenny's saying, boy, I wish I was there with you. And, and he just looks down at her and says, you know, I've loved you so long. You were right there with me through, through every one of those experiences that I had. And in the clip I'm about to show you this morning, it follows right on that scene where he's at her bedside. Jenny's disease ends up taking her. And Forrest is at her graveside. And at critical moments like these, all of us, human that we are, begin to ask the big questions. The reason I'm, I'm showing you this clip this morning to kick off our sermon is the big question that Forrest poses as he stands at his wife's graveside. I don't know, Forrest says. I don't know if Mama's right or Lieutenant Dan. Do we each have a destiny? Or are, all we, we, are we all floating around accidental like on a breeze? It's a question that I think in really critical moments of our lives that we all ask. Do we have a destiny? Or is everything, including our own life, just one big accident? If you, uh, if you rent the movie and you get a chance to choose the, the chapters, you'll notice that the marker for choosing the chapters on the movie is a, is a feather, something that's light and easily blown around on a breeze. Is that really all we are is just a, a feather that's blown around on a breeze. And that's exactly the question that we want to ask ourselves this morning as we think about Jesus' resurrection. After all, why wouldn't most of us think that life is just really an accident and that things kind of happen willy-nilly to us? In fact, most of us are taught that in school. We're taught that there's really no official beginning or end to our world. We're, we're led to believe that this life is pretty much all there is, that it's a survival of the fittest world, and that if we don't want to be blown around 
like a feather on the wind, then we better pay attention to ourselves first and make sure that we're taking care of number one, meaning not God, of course, but me. And it's so interesting to think about that philosophy of life because it's so contrary, so opposite, really, to some of the things that the Apostle Paul is telling us this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You think about it, if what we're often taught in our culture today is true, then there is no destiny. There's no purpose. There's no way of knowing what's right, what's wrong, what's moral or immoral. There's certainly no God. You and I, we can make up our own plan as we go if we're fortunate enough not to have a big gust of wind come along and blow us off the course that we've plotted for ourselves. After all, if we don't plan, we're led to believe there is no other plan. Without God, there can be no destiny, no plan, no something after this life, no life to look forward to after we die. As we, as we enter this new sermon series, Reframing Your Worldview, the very first question that we need to ask ourselves about a worldview is, do beliefs matter? Do, do such beliefs matter as, hey, there's no real true destiny? We're just all feathers blowing around on the wind. Will it make a difference in my life if I believe that versus believing that there is a plan, a greater plan, a greater purpose, a someone that has set a big, big plan in motion, a story, a narrative of which we're really all a part and actually play a very important and vital role under God's plan? Does it make a difference if I believe one over the other? Do our beliefs matter? That's the question. And what I want to talk about, first of all, is what a worldview is as we enter this new series. A worldview is really something that you've picked up along the way. And as we talk about reframing worldview, we have to first look in and see where did our current worldview come from? If you've ever lived in another culture, you soon learn that even if you don't think you have a worldview, you definitely do. And that worldview has been set by your, your past experiences, what, you, what you've been taught by parents and teachers. It, it's, it's been taught to you by philosophies that you've picked up along the way. And you've learned to develop ideas about things like marriage or possessions or independence or planning for the future. I've, uh, I've taught, for example, in, in some pretty high poverty areas in Africa, in Native American reservations. And I can tell you that there's a worldview that prevails there that says there's no use planning for the future because every day a new crisis comes along that makes planning useless. So to talk about creating a vision or thinking about what lies ahead, they just go, are you kidding me? I've got to get through today. And their worldview is very much focused in the presence. Do you think a belief like that? 
really matters in how a person carries out their life. You see, when we believe something, when we have a worldview, we're committing to a certain point of view about what our world is and how our world acts. A belief is a commitment to think a certain way. Most of us have already committed, whether we know it or not, we do it consciously, sometimes subconsciously, we've committed to a certain set of beliefs about our world, about most things in our world. Sometimes we might try to ride the fence. We heard Forrest do that in the film clip. He said, maybe it's all true. Maybe the reality is that life has a plan and we have a destiny and there's also no plan really and we're just blowing around like a breeze on a wind. Maybe from different points of view you could say they're both correct. And a lot of times in our world today we will take a view like that. After all, our world today is very much about not wanting to hurt anyone else's feelings. We want to be tolerant of what other people think or believe. We want to accept worldviews from many different areas. And we'd hate to have someone think that we've come to a firm commitment on a set of beliefs. Many of us feel that way, not all of us. We might think that we don't have a particularly strong set of values or a, or a worldview. But when it comes to moments of crisis, just like Forrest was experiencing in the movie clip, that's when our worldview and when those big questions really start to come out. And what I want to tell you about this sermon series, if you choose to come back to it, you are going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged to think about what really is my point of view about this world and, and how it was created and where it's all going. And is there a plan or is there not a plan? I want you to be forewarned about that because I also want you to be welcomed. I want you to be invited to come back. I would love to see everyone that's at church today come back and finish out this series with us and accept this challenge to examine your point of view about the world that you live in. I'm going to warn you about one other thing. As we continue to teach on the Word of God, God will be working on your heart. And he will be drawing you to this commitment that I just spoke about, a commitment to think a certain way about life. That's what beliefs are. And God wants you, above all things, to believe. He knows that we don't necessarily have the, the power to believe on our own. And that's why he sends something called the Holy Spirit. We just spoke about him in that creed. And he, and he sends him to us through the word of God. And he draws us inevitably toward a commitment about a certain view of our world. We sometimes run away from that kind of a commitment. We, we run away because maybe we're afraid of God. Naturally, we start to think about the things that we've done wrong those things that the Bible calls sins. And we feel guilty about them. We feel ashamed of what we've done. We know that if we had to stand directly before God, we'd be standing before a holy God who has never committed even one wrong in his life. If you look in the Bible, every last person that stands before God, even God's angels many times, ends up falling flat on his face because he's so afraid to be there in the presence of God 
And it's very understandable. Some of us would say we're not afraid of God. Some of us would rather say, I'm ticked off at God. I'm angry at God. I'm not happy with God at all because he's bringing all kinds of crud into my life. He's allowing things to happen that I'm completely not happy with. And we begin to wonder, if there is a God, why doesn't he seem to care more about me and the things, the painful and hurtful things that are going on in my life? Some of us might think about God that, well, it it doesn't pay to get angry with God or to be afraid of God because God is either kind of a a personality-less person, kind of an old senile grandpa sitting in a rocking chair with not much to fear about him or not much to be angry about either. He doesn't really have that much personality, this God that we imagine in our minds. And others still think God isn't a person at all. Really? Just a force, a secret, a a cosmic God who makes sure that the scales are are always balanced. But who would possibly get angry or fear a force that just makes karma turn out okay? Do beliefs matter? Any of those beliefs matter. Well, I want to go back to what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because I think it's really critical what he says here. And it first starts with telling us that it's important what we believe about who God is. Check out verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore, all died. If you drill down on those words, it tells you something really important right off the bat. A force, a cosmic force, doesn't die. A personality-less grandpa sitting senile in a rocking chair doesn't uh, choose to sacrifice himself normally for the good of others. No, the Bible is talking about a God who's a real person and a person that is willing to sacrifice himself for you, for me. A God who really cares about you and the things that you're experiencing in your life. And this is exactly the point where our beliefs truly begin to matter. When this God, the God revealed in the Bible, is revealed fully to us, he is a God with an amazing personality as a person. A God who really cares, who literally gets hurt when we do things that oppose him. That literally gets angry when we do something to hurt another person that he loves. That loves you and me, this person called God, so much that he's constantly trying to draw us to himself. This is a God who really, really cares and has a vibrant personality. Isn't that amazing? And and here's the thing. 
There is something about this person called God that the Bible reveals that is completely different, and it's, it's right there in that first verse. Christ's love compels us, Paul writes, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. This is a God that loves so much that he is willing to sacrifice his son to rescue you and make you his son or daughter. This is a God that never responds in love, but is always a God coming with the first foot forward, always the one making the first move to say, hey, I want you back. And if we run from him, whether it's fear or anger, there he is persistently pursuing you and me because he cares that deeply about you, about me. This is an amazing God. And he's described for us, actually, in a verse that I put in your crosswalk notes. 1 John 4, 9 talks about him. Listen to this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And look at what John says. I underlined a couple words there. This love is so steady, so firm, so strong, so steadfast. John writes, so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. God is so associated with love that he is actually identified with it. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And so can you understand why Paul would start off by saying, I'm compelled by a love like that. I'm compelled. He's really saying that love that caused God to send his son for me has changed my life. In fact, it's driving my life forward now. Because that love was the kind of love that would, would sacrifice its most precious possession. You see how wonderful it is to know that we have this awesome, loving God, a true person who cares about each and every one of us. Do such beliefs matter? Well, as, as we go through this series and examine our worldview in the next five or six weeks, I think you're going to come away convinced that our beliefs absolutely matter. And it's amazing to me, even looking at that passage, that the word love and the word live are so closely associated with each other. You ever notice that? I mean, it's just one letter. But if you go back to that passage... What John is really saying is, and I think you'd agree with this, you can't truly live unless you know love. And John would take it one step further. He would say, you can't truly live unless you know God's love for you. Life is wrapped up in the love of God. You see what he said there? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Amazing. That's our first point. One that I really want to, to, to lay as the foundation of today's message. Beliefs do matter. And first and foremost, my belief about who God is 
matters. My belief about who God is and that he's a person who loves me, sacrificed his most precious treasure for me, and then as we're celebrating today, not only sacrificed him, but powerfully raised him from the grave on the third day, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My belief about that matters for a whole nother reason. The Bible tells us that Jesus was just first fruits. In other words, he's just that, that first orange on the tree. That first orange on the tree is the promise of many, many, many more oranges to come in the future. And just that way, Jesus' resurrection from the grave is the promise that many, many more people will be rising from their graves. When we look at our belief that God wants all of us to be eternal, that is huge. And let me tell you why. Oftentimes in life, we wonder about whether God truly loves us because our, our life hurts so much. I, I would wager a guess that there are a number of people in church today who are almost going, wow, I almost wish I didn't come on Easter because of all of this talk about Easter celebration. And I don't really much feel like celebrating today. Not with the stuff that's going on in my life. Deep in debt, sick, I've got problems with my wife, my husband, my kids, my parents. I've got problems at work. And this is not just stuff that hurts so good. It's stuff that hurts so bad, so very bad in our hearts and minds. And we struggle. And it leads us to that inevitable question we've already talked about. Is there really a God who cares? And then another question that follows up naturally right behind it. You know what it is? It's the question, will this suffering ever end? Will this pain that hurts so bad, ever find a conclusion. I am so sick and tired of being sick and tired. The wonderful thing about the resurrection is that it is also the promise that all suffering has a conclusion to it. You know, Jesus himself, he suffered for you and for me, didn't he? We just celebrated that on Good Friday. He took up his cross because he loved you and me. But the resurrection is, is the very thing that says, you know what? God who took this son of his all the way to the cross, three days later also rose him, raised him from that, from that grave that he was placed in and gave him new life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I put it in your crosswalk notes. Our belief that Jesus is just the first fruits of the people that will enter a new life after death tells us that we all are eternal beings. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just shortly before the passage we focused on this morning, Paul writes 
to the Corinthians who are also undergoing a lot of stuff in their life, painful stuff. And he says this, I didn't put all of this in your notes, but I want you to hear this. We know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, he's talking about our bodies. If our suffering leads to us dying, he says, we have a building from God. We have an eternal house in heaven. And meanwhile, he says, oh yeah, we, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling." We groan in this life. We carry our own cross just as God promised. But now look at this passage. Paul says, but we have another life coming. And then he adds, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. God has made you for the very purpose of living with him In eternity. That even after the groaning of this life, there is a better life to come for you and me through Christ and his resurrection. Now let me ask you, does that belief matter? That you are eternal through Christ? And that there is a better life for you? Would it make a difference to you if you knew that your lifespan was that of a bug's? Would that change how you lived today? Would it make a difference if your lifespan was that, not of a human's, but a puppy's? Would that change how you live today and next week? Would it change your life if your lifespan was that of a giant sequoia? You know how long they live? Some of those giant redwoods in California? 3,000 years and more according to the tree rings. Would that change your perspective if you knew you had 3,000 years to live? And does it matter that you and I, according to what the Bible teaches, believe that this life is not all there is? That there is something beyond this life that God has planned for us. Paul says it's critically important that we know this and that we believe that through Christ's resurrection, we will be raised to live in heaven with him forever. And he adds this, listen to uh, this verse, verse 15. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Do you hear that? Not only is God saying you have a purpose to live for eternity, He's saying from that eternal purpose, that changes how he looked at life. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for him who died for us and who was raised again. Amazing. You see, our beliefs do matter. When we know about eternity, we know that we no longer live for ourselves. We live for those around us. And most of all, we live, Paul says, for God. Here's your second point. My belief about my life's purpose matters. And now just the third point. When we believe that God is a person who loves us deeply, when we know and understand that God has sent his son to die for us and raised him to life, 
to assure us, to seal the deal that we too have eternity coming. It changes one more thing. It matters in one other final area. It changes how we look at other people. It really does. Most of us, I think, by nature, are a little bit, we have a tendency to look at people on a surface level, especially people that we don't know very well. We'll check a person out, and if their face is a pretty face, if there's a hotness factor, we'll say, wow. We check a person out according to the car they drive or the, the house they live in, maybe according to their race or their color. And we're right there on the surface. You know, there's an interesting study even about socioeconomic level that said that married couples, they will naturally gravitate toward married couples who are at their same socioeconomic level. The the study said that more than 50% of couples tend to hang out with other couples who are at their same level socioeconomically. Just a natural phenomenon. In fact, there was a a gal who, um, who wrote a book about this, and she basically said, birds of a feather flock together to the same bistro. There's a word for that, isn't there? Not a very complimentary term. We call it being shallow. And if that's our natural bent, as evidenced by the research, to be shallow, then beliefs do matter. And it's quite understandable. If there's nothing beyond this life, if there's not a God to set right and wrong or to love us unconditionally in his grace, why not be shallow? But right here is where beliefs matter and how we treat others. Because guess what? That person who lives next to you, who works in the cubicle next to yours, who is in the car parked next to you doing really annoying things, that person also is an eternal soul loved by God. He's a person that you may end up hanging out with for eternity. Or a person that if you don't reach out to them, you may help consign them to an eternity of death in a not very pleasant place called hell. Having an eternal perspective about what eternal life is and eternal death is and reminding ourselves daily that we have a God who in his grace kept putting the first foot forward for us, gave his most precious treasure up for me, and not just for me, but for the entire world, for all my neighbors at home, at work, on the road. That changes everything about how we treat others, and it draws us out of the shallow end of the pool into a much deeper relationship with everyone that God places in our lives. Check this out. 
Paul himself said this to the Corinthians. If you read on to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, here's how I treated you Corinthians. We have spoken freely to you Corinthians and opened wide our hearts to you. And that goes right along with this final verse that we read already this morning, verses 16 and 17. And here's what Paul says. Now that I know that Christ died for me and was raised again, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We've stopped being shallow, Paul is saying. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, he even admits, I once had a shallow view of who Jesus is. We do so no longer. And here's the most important verse of the day, the one that really relates to Easter. This wonderful celebration that Christ raised his own son from the grave after three days there. It's the promise of our resurrection for eternity and for now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I call that the most important verse, and I'm going to end on it, because Many of you who've come today, I pray that you're asking yourself this question. I wonder if my beliefs mattering can change my life. Many of us who come to church have come here, and I include myself in this. I wasn't always a Christian up into my high school years. I, I thought that I was just a feather blowing around on a breeze at random. But I started going to church because I thought, I'm making a mess of my life. It's not really turning out that great. I find myself sometimes angry with God, sometimes afraid of him. I wonder if this belief in God thing can make a difference in my life. And I checked it out. And maybe some of you are doing that same thing today. Maybe you're checking it out. For the first time, for the first time in a while. And you're asking yourself this very question, the question that Forrest asked. The question that really boils down to this. Does my worldview, does my set of lives really have any chance to make a difference for me in life? And what Paul the Apostle Paul is here to assure all of us this morning, and, and God is here to assure us all of is the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the key change agent in every person's life. Believe that God loves you so much that he was willing to deliver his son for you and then powerfully raise him from the grave. And if you look at your life through the lens of the resurrection, I'll just close on this thought. A very simple thought. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave changes everything. It tells you that God loves you. It tells you that you are eternal. And it tells you that those people who are all around you are eternal too. And that God loved them too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray for change to happen in our lives because we all know that there are things that need to change about our lives. 
Many of us here today may, may even be quite happy with a lot of the stuff in our lives, but we can still look at certain segments of the pie and realize that it's not as great as it could be. Others of us, Lord, are probably here because there's major parts of the pie that aren't very good right now. And Lord, we know the reason for that. The reason is plain. For centuries, going all the way back to Adam and Eve, sin has been in this world, even before we were born, and it spoiled this world. Now we are participating in that, Lord. We ourselves, because of our sinful hearts, sin against you in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And we want that to change. We want to live new lives to your glory. And we want to know what it means to have the hope of a, an eternal life of happiness with you after this life is finished. And therefore, Lord, our prayer is this. As we leave here today, whether we've been Christians for years and years, or we're thinking about being a Christian, and we've never been a Christian before, help us to see all of our life through the lens of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And help us by your Spirit's power to believe that that resurrection really happened, and it happened for me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.